After a lifetime of researching the dynamic and enigmatic world of light entertainment, I've decided to ditch my notebook and meet the people who inspire me. What makes them the people they are? How do they feel about the show business landscape in which they find themselves? And in a world where anyone can be a star, is there still a need for performers who have universal appeal? Come with me on a journey of discovery as I get a unique insight into Britain's favourite stars with a little help from my glamorous assistants. Yeah, well, I say glamorous, more like hazardous. And of course, we'll have a bit of fun along the way. After graduating from Italia Conti Academy of Theatre Arts, actor, writer and broadcaster Peter Duncan found fame in 1980 when he joined the BBC's flagship children's entertainment series Blue Peter alongside Simon Groom and Sarah Green. Despite his popularity as a television presenter, Duncan has always stayed loyal to the stage and his two-year stint at the National Theatre under the supervision of Laurence Olivier cemented this. Today Peter is a well-respected theatrical director and producer and in 2015 established the Natural Adventure Company specialising in self-guided walking holidays. I caught up with Peter on the set of his pantomime Cinderella at the Lighthouse in Paul to talk children's TV, walking and the secrets to a great panto. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr Peter Duncan. So you got your first acting role at the age of 15 playing the part of Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island at London's Mermaid Theatre. How did this give you a grounding for a life in entertainment? Well, I, as I said, I was only 15 and, and it, was a, it was a great part to get because I didn't really have any big theatre experience. It was The Mermaid. Um, and it kicked me off, really. I'd done, oddly, my parents were in the business. They were theatrical performers, but I'd never really done anything. And I'd done school. I'd done, like, lots of people do the school play at my rather bad secondary modern school. So I got this part against what I now know was rather good competition because they've all, all gone on to have good careers, my competitors, because <laughs> they, they stayed there forever. And it was wonderful. I thought these people were going to be lifelong friends, and, and it was just a great part. Jim Hawkins in Treasure Island, if you've read the book. Uh, and then I was kind of set up, and I think the second audition was another West End play I did and then my third audition was uh, for um, the National Theatre at the Old Vic so then so my first sort of three years just happened all theatre based then I was up and running you know in three years right I'm an actor I was then just nearly 18 and you attended and graduated from the Italia Conti Academy of Theatre yeah that's right I, I yeah, is that what, that's well, sort of, but I kind of went there with the idea that I might be out of work, and because I'd left school at 15, I went as a student, but to be honest, it wasn't much use, because I just used to piss off all the acting teachers who were work, you know, out-of-work actors, and I'd say, yeah, thanks for that note about my Shakespeare, but I'm just off to the uh, Old Vic to work with Laurence Olivier, so <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> so it was quite funny. Really. Yeah. <laughs> You can quote me on that. <laughs> <laughs> so you didn't um, didn't get much out of attending sort of no, a, I a got creative com- house, com- so to speak. Camaraderie and and I met my girlfriend Leslie Manville, who I should talk about. So we 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 became you know boy and girlfriend, and we we lived together. And uh, she's about to be nominated for an Oscar. She's nominated for BAFTA. She just won the Critics Award. She's opening in a movie tonight, Phantom Thread, starring opposite Daniel Day-Lewis. She's been nominated for an Oscar. On Tuesday, she's opening in Long Day's Journey tonight. 
which hasn't been done since Lawrence and Livia done it. So, so um, why am I telling you this? I'm talking about the glamour of show business. So she's my best pal. So it's a, it's a Leslie Manville fest. Look her up. Did you did a sitcom last year. Yeah, Mum. Yeah, <laughs> she's doing another one after the play. Oh, so not only she might she win an Oscar, fourteen to one's a good bet. Oh yeah, put a tenner on it. Tip, I would. <laughs> I really think so. I'm going to put 50 quid on it, winning Best Supporting Actress. We're on it. <laughs> so you secured a two-year stint at the National Theatre. Yeah. That was yeah. obviously one of, in one of its more prolific periods. What sort of memories, good and bad, have you got of that period? Well, as I said, it was, it was doing about, I did about seven or eight plays, and you kind of get signed up for one, and then I kind of, it, I, was, I think it was just for that one play called The White Devil. And then I got another part, and then I got into this musical called Tiger. And so I was there nearly, nearly two years, um, which, was, which was my true training, I would say, rather than the ones at the yeah. Italian Conti Stage School. But I wouldn't mention that. <laughs> <laughs> And then in 1972, TV came calling, and you starred in the ITV children's drama The Tomorrow People. What was it about children's television that appealed to you? Well, it wasn't like that, really. So once I'd left the National um, and I'd been in the, being an actor for three years, I then kind of had a good agent and I went into going for lots of different jobs. So these things you mentioned, they're all like a week's work. They're not really significant. Um, but I did do lots of good television plays and, and have quite a few films in, in the 70s. And so I just kept... just I was a working actor then and yeah. some theatre as well. But over a period of about seven, eight years... You do maybe 50, 60 different kinds of jobs. Um, and you're, you're building up your portfolio. You know, yeah. So I started off as a stage actor. Then I became a sort of television and um, film actor. Yeah. Uh, right up until my Blue Peter days, when I obviously changed course. Yeah. <laughs> so as we're going to go on to next, that's probably your most celebrated sort of television vehicle. Um, started in 1980. How daunting was it joining such a successful show like Blue Peter? Well, it's interesting because I'd done a TV series, me and Leslie Manville, going back to Leslie Manville again, Oscar nominee. Um, we'd both been, we were living together, and we'd both been cast in this kids' series called King Cinder, which was about Speedway um, for the BBC. And it was really top of the kids' ratings, like a grain chill. It's only six, 12 episodes. Um, and that obviously came to the attention of uh, the editors of Blue Peter, because traditionally they've always... Uh, you know, it, they've uh, employed certainly one or two of their the usual primitive uh, threesome. You know, they've there's always been an, an acting element in there of one of them. Um, and so Billy Baxter got onto me then and said, "You know, would you like to audition Blue Peter?" And um, I suppose the variety world in me, you know, it's like then it really was truly a dream job um, in the sense that everybody, you know, no matter what your ambitions were you think well I've got to look at this really and uh, and so that's how that started really so I auditioned in 1978 to take over from John Noakes then and I was offered it but I turned it down so I decided I didn't want to be a blue pitch presenter I wanted to carry on being an actor so I did for a couple more years and then they offered it again in 1980 um, and I'd gone back to being playing bits the telly and nice stuff and I'd just done Flash Gordon actually as well but there was still a bit about me I thought after 10 years of being an actor you know I need uh, you know like you make a decision don't you and I thought I know my worth I think this 
will be exciting. It's live TV. It has a theatrical element. It's. It, I had such a poor education. I thought I, I can. Uh, you know, I'm part journalist, part performer, and I the daring do thing. I travel the world. You know, why would you turn it down? <laughs> so that's why I took it on really. But I knew it would kind of change the way mm. one perceives you, and it would make me more famous than I was. A lot more famous than, than just being an actor. So, and you still remain so synonymous with Blue Peter. Why do you think sort of the presenters of your era have sort of remained so synonymous? Do you think it's the decline of the show? Well, I think they all do. I mean, yesterday was the five thousandth program, which we I saw, sat yeah, down and watched, and one little shot of me on the bike. That's all I was in. Um, and then I t- I tweeted a picture of me, Sarah Gillan, saying. Room, you know, when we met up that year ago, a lovely picture of me and Simon. Of course, you realise that all your eras, you know, got, you know, 300 likes and, you know, just from one tweet. So, in other words, to a generation that remembered you, you are their favourites. But each of the presenters have that group of people as assigned to them with a bit of overlap. So, obviously, John, Val, and Pete have got the biggest because they did it for eight or nine years. Sarah, me, and Simon really did four or five years, but it was still big figures. And then Janet, and then gradually each, I suppose, each Blue Peter presenter, except for the current ones, which are, you know, are there being the current ones, their sort of history diminishes a little bit. Yeah. I think I explained that quite well. Yeah, yeah. Very good. <laughs> so um, we get back onto Leslie Manville. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going back to theatre. Mm. We're at the Lighthouse in Paul, where. Um, Aladdin, which is a panto. Did you direct? Were you directing? I produced, produced, wrote, and directed it. Yeah. Yep. So, what? How was that? And sort of, what is the? What's to expect? How did that happen? I mean? Yeah, and sort of, what to expect other than Aladdin? Is it a normal? Well, it's a normal staple pantomime that most theatres that most theatres do pantomime. Yeah. So, uh, Aladdin would still be in the mix along with Cinderella and, and Jack and the Beanstalk, Dick Whittington. And um, even Peter Pan, um, Snow White. Uh, uh, so the older ones, like Mother Goose, uh, you know, le- uh, are done less often, but there's a kind of a staple five, six, or seven that most theatres will do. And the reason I love pantomime and I do pantomime is because that's what my parents did. Yes. So yes. I grew up with that world, and, uh, um, and I didn't really appear in them until much later in my career because I was a proper actor. But I- I've always... Love them and and sort of um. And I know the form, you know, it's like an art form to me, really, without getting too pretentious. Yeah, and I, I've enjoyed it for that, for that reason, and still enjoy it. Yeah, and mostly. Do you find the show a sort of tribute to them? Josh, that's no. written in the in the last question about sort of you have a little bit of an extra affection, I suppose, because of your parents' yes, affiliation uh, to pantomime. I do, but it's not what I what I've evolved into doing. It's not quite the same as what they did. They they did very much more a, uh, what you would call a variety panto. Mm. So my father would always be in it, and my mother would be in it as well, so they'd produce it and be in it. Um, but my mother would play principal boy or principal girl, so she'd you know, be in a dress or then wear the fishnets, fishnet stockings and be the traditional principal, you know, pantomime <laughs> female dame. And then my father would be this peripheral kind of comedy, light comedian, he would be called. So... So I grew up with that, but at the same time they would have a, a dog act who would come on, or you know, fifty, Dag- 50 Scottish Dagenham girl pipers, you know. So it would be, 
it would have that kind of spectacle yeah. coming into it, which was different to now. So mine are sort of, although they're populist and still have some of the old routines, I'm very much more into narrative, into sort of mm. hiring good actors, trying to fire, hire funny actors. You know, it's still got to have that brassy appeal to different, because people who come to Panto don't necessarily come to see Chekhov or Ibsen. Some do, but... So that's for me. That's where it's evolved. Yeah. In the olden days, you'd have people sort of like Danny Larue. Yeah. So, so Danny was a bit strange because he's always Danny Larue, whatever pantomime he's in. Watch your mates. You know. And uh, I have a story to tell about Danny Larue. So he used to sell all his costumes, old costumes, to my mother and father. So my mother used to wear his glamorous costumes. I've still got some. Got Danny Larue in the back. And when I was a little boy, my dad employed him when he wasn't famous. And the story goes that he used to love changing my nappy. Does that sound dodgy? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. So he used to, he's been, you know, he's, he's gone now, but he was a family friend for a yeah. long time. You know. So when he was very famous, we used to go and see him and have nights. They, my parents used to do summer seasons at Scarborough and place Blackpool, Brighton. And all the summer season shows, people would always get together, the stars. And the, so there's history there. I have history with Danny. Yeah. <laughs> so looking back at your career, obviously Blue Peter's, a, I imagine, is a highlight. But what would you say your proudest achievement is? Well, to be honest, the, the work, the, I, I'm going back now to, or wanting to go back. I've just got a very good agent, actually, from doing a show that my daughter wrote called The Dame. And we went, took it to Edinburgh Festival, and it's really about an old Panto Dame, but it's quite a serious and sad, dramatic piece. And that got me a very good agent. Leslie Manville's agent. <laughs> I knew we'd get her in again. Um, so, you know, a top agent. And so my, my plan in the future really is to, is to try and go back, because that whole world of TV and film and all that good work, is, it's kind of a very good time. And I thought, before I get too old, I should try and have a go. It might be too difficult and it might not work and I might not get any work, but I just thought I want to get into the frame for nice, straighter kind of work. Not that I haven't enjoyed all the other stuff I've done, but I would argue in the last, you know, dozen years of my career, I've done lots of big musical parts, I've done lots of good theatre parts, dramatic parts, not so much the telly roles. And so I've always mainly had a, re you know, I came here with Birdsong and uh, and although I did hairspray for eight, for eight months after that, I've always been able to find good parts either in repertory theatre, along with my panto producing, which again. So for me, I've always managed to find reasonably uh, good work to do. But to answer your actual question, I think the best thing I've ever done was making my own travel documentaries with my family. When we, uh, we, we went around the world for six months and I filmed my kids, my four kids, and then we went to... China for three or four months and India for three months and these were became TV series um, that, that they primarily featured in. This is after, after my Blue Peter days in the nineties and well the end of the nineties, the first decade of the new new millennium. Really. So uh, oddly, that is the thing I'm most proud of really, as a as a kind of filmmaker. Yeah. So um, you mentioned a little bit there, but what's next for Peter Duncan? Well, I'm going out for a very important meeting now. Yeah. <laughs> Who knows where that's going to lead? Yeah. Um, 
but because of this new agent, I'm sort of sitting on the fence a bit, really. Yeah. I've turned down a little bit of work, which sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's very, I, you know, if you're some, someone like me who likes to be active and do things, you know, get on the ferry, get over there, meet people, you know, if you're interested in doing stuff, you know, you, it's hard to say no. But uh, I think sometimes, whatever you, wherever you are in life, if you want to change or do something, you've got to stop the thing you're doing. But hope, hopefully, something else comes along. This is career-wise, yeah. yeah. So I'm hoping I've done a couple of uh, what what actors do now, which is self tapes, where you speak into a camera and you send that off initially, and they've gone down quite well. So we'll see. Maybe. Who knows? Hollywood by Christmas. Oscar, me and Leslie Mandel will show each other. A big thank you to our guest for being the subject of another Beyond the Title interview. If you like this, why not browse the website and see if there's anything else that takes your fancy. Don't forget to like our Facebook page to receive updates of forthcoming interviews and to see more information about me and what I do. Thanks again and hopefully see you next time for another Beyond the Title interview.